Uh, welcome to the latest episode of our Economics and Business podcast. I'm your new regular host, Stella Bagesheva. In today's episode, we'll be discussing the potential expansion of free school meals in the UK. Who currently receives these free school meals? What are the potential benefits to children and society from expanding this policy? And what do we expect to happen next? To explore this topic further, we are joined in the virtual studio today by Mark Heffernan, Alia Kamar and Tan Din who are part of the team behind the new report on the costs and benefits of free school meals expansion published by PwC in collaboration with Impact on Urban Health. Uh, before we go into the detail of the report and the scope of the work, could each one of you introduce yourselves to our listeners? Hi, yeah, good morning. Um, thanks for having me today. I'm Mark Heffernan. I'm Head of Policy and Influencing at Impact on Urban Health. Um, we're part of Guys and St Thomas's Foundation, which is a charitable foundation based in South London, focused on health equity and making urban places healthier for, for everyone to live. And as part of that work, we've got a 10-year programme which explores the relationship between children's health and the availability and affordability of healthy food for children and families. And obviously schools are a key setting uh, where children can have a healthy, hot, nutritious meal. And that was our interest in the school food agenda, and it was very much the starting point for this, this work we're about to talk about today. Hi, um, I'm Tan Din. I'm a senior associate within the strategy and economics um, team, and I've been working on many interesting impact assessment pieces across a range of clients, in particular the work that we're going to discuss today with impact on urban health. Um, in terms of my contribution with the project, I led the cost and benefit assessment which we'll be kind of walking you through throughout this session. Hi everyone so I'm uh, Alia Gummer. I'm a senior manager in the economics team with a focus on impact assessments particularly for government uh, uh, clients and the charitable sector um, and I was the day-to-day -day lead on the uh, free school meal cost benefit analysis report that we're going to be talking about today. Perfect thank you all for joining us I'm super excited to discuss uh, this topic so first of all, I'd like to start off by mentioning that at the end of February, the mayor Sadiq Khan announced that uh, he'll be expanding free school meals to all primary school children. Uh, so Mark, how does that make you feel? Uh, yeah, it was obviously fantastic. Fantastic both because, um, you know, we and partners have been pushing on free school meals and the value it has for children abroad society for a long time. So to see such big policy movement was really gratifying. And you're right, it's only for a year, but we hope it'll beyond that and hope it will go beyond London soon too and then obviously really gratifying because as you said on the TOE programme Sadiq um, highlighted this this work so it's clearly already informing policy development which is which is totally fantastic and is exactly what we what we hope for. Perfect really good okay so let's uh, kind of dive in into the ins and outs of the report. Um, Alia could you do a quick introduction of the free school meals report of uh, the free school meal program and uh, what it is? Sure, happy to. So um, the history of free schools meals actually goes back in the UK to the early 19th century. So followed quite quickly in the back of sort of universal provision of um, primary education. Um, and on the back of that, there was a, a move towards bringing in uh, healthy free school meals to children um, in order to enable them to have the same opportunities to learn and thrive um, regardless of, of where they were growing up and their socioeconomic status. Um, since then, however, um, provision itself, particularly within England, um, is means tested. So not everybody is eligible for free school meals currently. Um, in terms of what the current eligibility status is, that's infants who are nursery to year two, so up to the age of seven, are all eligible for free school meals. Um, and then children from vulnerable households uh, with low incomes, around anywhere under 
£7,400 per annum are, are currently eligible, broadly speaking. Um, and this is kind of one of the, the reasons for, for this work. It was to sort of address the fact that actually, you know, there's, there's not universal provision. However, there's been quite a lot of research that's been done, uh, most recently by the Child Poverty Action Group, which showed that actually a third of children who are living in poverty in the UK, that's about 800,000 children, currently don't qualify for free school meals. Um, which indicates actually a significant proportion of the school-going population in England um, who are not eligible and don't receive the proper nutrition that they need to learn and concentrate at school. Um, and that's, as I said, one of the key reasons that um, Impact on Urban Health um, commissioned this work. And we as PwC uh, were keen to be part of actually undertaking this research and providing some more evidence. Okay, um, it sounds like this is a great policy, but it seems to be failing to cover many children who would actually benefit from it. Um, so Mark, I, I would be interested to hear more on how this report came about and why Impact on Urban Health reached out to PwC. Yeah, it's a great question. And I think, you know, partly you've already answered it with, with your comment there, which is that there is a real uh, lack of provision of free school meals in this country, which has been known about for a long time. Um, but this report you know came about at a time when we felt like the opportunity for policy change on free school meals was growing while at the same time the need for all children to have access to nutritious food in schools was becoming was becoming really clear and that was true for a few reasons like the first was the evidence base both from from impact and urban health from our from our many partners and from around the world was was becoming really strong so we know that free school meals have a positive impact on educational attainment we know that they benefit children's physical and mental health uh, and, and we know that they lead to productivity improvements over the short and also the long term and some of those benefits are really striking so for example one swedish study showed that if children have access to free school meals over the course of their education they're on average one centimeter taller and have three percent higher income into later life like these are really big impacts the second thing that we we knew was that from our program was that access to good quality food in schools really varied and it varied particularly depending on where children lived and where they came from. So we're seeing inequalities playing out in schools and that risk perpetuating inequalities into later life and to broader society as well. And then the third thing I think important to recognise was this work came just after the COVID-19 pandemic and that you know, it was important partly because the work of Marcus Rashford, the fantastic work of Marcus Rashford and, and others, including some of our partners, had raised awareness with the public of the importance of good meal provision in schools. And it was important also because sadly the pressures which had come during and after the pandemic with the cost of living crisis meant that more families were finding it difficult to access the healthy food children needed to thrive. So free school meals is, is, is all the more important in that context. So we had a situation where we had a lot of evidence and, and sadly we had evidence of growing need as well but what we didn't have was something which brought all that evidence together at a national level and in particular when we were talking to policymakers, you know we were getting a question back probably rightly which is that you know expanding free school meals is potentially quite a costly policy so what are those costs and also what are the potential benefits in the short medium and long term and essentially we didn't have an answer to that question and that's why the technical and economic expertise of pwc was was so important uh, so tan could you tell us a bit more about the scope of the analysis like for example did you look at the whole of the uk and what time period did your analysis cover 
Yeah, sure. As Mark has already alluded to in terms of bridging the gap of a UK-wide analysis, to do so, the work focused on England. And the reason for that is because the school food systems and funding models across the UK varied considerably. Um, so doing a UK-wide analysis was difficult to do so. Another thing is entitlement to free school meals varies across countries. We've seen Wales and Scotland both having taken positive policy steps. So in recent years, they've increased provision across primary schools in particular. So for this reason, our work draws upon some of these evidences from policy reforms, not only in the UK, but globally, as well as with the hope of the findings from this research to inform similar um, research in going forward across the UK. So to help bridge this gap, we worked with Impact on Urban Health to construct a cost-benefit assessment um, looking at England over a 20-year period from 2025 to 2045. For those who aren't aware of what a cost-benefit assessment is, it's basically a practical technique that we use to quantify the costs and benefits associated with the with an intervention of interest, which in this case was the expansion of free school meal program. So in essence, it helps to identify the benefits that can be generated through uh, a pound spending, essentially. Um, how we went about doing this was we looked at two scenarios with varying degrees of eligibility for free school meals. The first being extending the current provision to all households um, in receipt of universal credit. So universal credit is essentially a payment to help with living costs for low income households or those that are not working at the moment. And the second scenario which we looked at was extending the free school meal program to all people's pupils across all levels of state-funded education. Um, and could you walk us through what were the differences in uh, costs and benefits uncovered for these two scenarios? Yeah, so based on the analysis we conducted, mostly we found a positive return on investments across the two expansion scenarios. Um, as already mentioned, in particular for the universal credit scenario, we found that the benefit amounted to an estimated figure of 8.9 billion. This meant that for every one pound that is invested into the program, um, there's an expectation of one pound 38 um, to be returned in the economy. The second scenario of universal free school meal, um, the benefit we estimated was a total of 41.3 billion. This meant that for every one pound invested, um, there's an expectation of one pound 71 in return. So from this, we were able to infer that extending free school meal provision um, not only benefits a child's health and make them more productive um, going forward, but there's also an indication that the benefits can increase um, when a free school meal provision is expanded to all school, school children. So providing a strong case for universal free school meal provision. On top of that, we also found that an additional 16.2 billion of wider economic benefit was expected. Um, so this captures the wider economy and supply chain impacts for the universal credit scenario. On the other hand, so for the universal free school meal scenario, we found that a, a wider economic contribution of 58.2 billion, so significantly more um, in, in that self-respect. Yeah, those are some very tangible benefits, it seems like. Um, really great to hear that. Mark, you mentioned uh, that there have been uh, data gaps in the in this field. Um, Alia, I'd be interested to hear from you how you work together with Impact on Urban Health to address these gaps. 
Sure. Um, Stella, in terms of how we went about addressing the data gaps and, and building up the cost-benefit model that Tan mentioned, um, essentially we took three steps. Um, the first was actually a literature review, so a sort of desk-based review of existing research studies um, to collect data around what had already been done, particularly in Europe um, and in Sweden, actually, looking at the benefits of tracking benefits between free school meal provision and, and long-term uh, benefits for individuals and, and society. Um, and then the second uh, element of the analysis was to build upon the, the desk-based analysis of doing a stakeholder interviews. So we conducted around 10 interviews um, across a variety of organizations in the school food sector. Um, this included impact on urban health partners, so members from the school food review group, um, including academics, NGOs, and local authorities. Um, for example, we spoke with Newham and Southwark, both of whom have uh, free school meal, universal free school meal provision at primary sector. Um, in order to understand the free school meal policy context, any areas of concern relating to the provision um, and expansion, and actually what that sort of uh, collaboration indicated was that actually there is um, there are sort of some differences in sort of cost and quality uh, across the UK, but also abroad, and that does have an impact on benefits. So there was a lot of sort of qualitative analysis that shaped our quantitative modeling and inform the evidence base. So having sort of done steps one and two, we then took the evidence from those and used that to create a, an impact pathway, which is linking the activities of an initiative, in this case, free school meal provision with benefits over time. Um, and we worked collaboratively with our monitoring and evaluation team, uh, particularly Emma Baker and Eric Bramandi, um, who conducted a workshop with um, some of the stakeholders that we interviewed and wider partners in order to develop and test our impact pathway. Um, in addition, we also had weekly catch-ups with Impact on Urban Health, so Mark and, um, and, and the Impact on Urban Health team were very much involved in getting weekly updates to help steer the, the direction of our analysis and be kept up to speed on emerging findings. Um, this finally resulted in, as I said, a revised impact framework um, and the evidence-based report that we produced um, and has been published um, on Impact on Urban Health's website. Um, and what, what the impact pathway in particular showed is that there's actually sort of sort of three key areas of, of impact associated with free school meal provision. And that's around sort of educational attainment and therefore long-term productivity benefits for individuals and by inference society. Long-term health outcomes, we particularly looked at obesity and found a very clear correlation between uh, free school meal provision and particularly nutritious and healthy free school meal provision and sort of re reduction in obesity and long-term obesity rates and therefore a saving to the NHS um, and then also reduced household spending on food particularly those with struggling um, to pay the bills of fuel and and um, food at the moment with the cost of living crisis um, and all of this was used to then form as I said part of our evidence-based report and also a dissemination process whereby we spoke with a number of local and central government stakeholders um, to share the results from our analysis, um, as well as actually going back to those who had kindly shared their time and expertise as part of the stakeholder interview process to inform them of the key findings. Um, all of which, as, as Mark will no doubt go on to tell us um, and you know, discuss, is inform the debate um, and decisions regarding free school meal provision. Yeah, sounds like you had a very collaborative approach uh, with stakeholders on the impact on urban health. Do you plan on using this research forward and uh, what, what can we expect to see in the future? Yeah, I mean, so we're already using it a lot is the, is the short answer to that question. Um, so 
as well as all the consultation that we did during development, which Ali just mentioned, which was which I'd emphasise was so important to the the finished product. We we used it in engagement once the um, once the report and the research was launched. So both with our partners and our allies who are influencing on school food as well to kind of socialise the research with them, but also as Ali mentioned with with key local policymakers and also national policymakers as well from from government departments and. You know that's already had a number of impacts we talked about one already with with what's happened in london it's been mentioned in parliament it's been cited by a number of supportive mps as well and alongside that you know thanks to the brilliant work of the impacts and health comms team and, and some of our partners in particular led by the food foundation there was a huge amount of national coverage which featured the the findings of the report so I think at this point it's been featured on um featured on the state program about six or seven times we're sort of losing count it was a key part of a campaign which was run by the evening standard and the independent throughout the autumn on free school meal expansion and there's been lots of other kind of bits of national and local coverage too in terms of what comes next i mean we're using it as really the key bit of evidence in our own call for expansion of free school meals um across the country and in particular making the case ahead of the next general election and i think what's been really pleasing and gratifying about the work is we're also seeing it being used by lots of our allies and our partners in the sector in their own campaigning work as well. We really wanted this to be a resource for everyone working on the free school meal agenda, and it seems like it's moving in that direction as well. Um, and yeah, I would just end again by by emphasizing that, you know, we're already seeing it have an impact. So the fact that it was able to kind of um, arm the mayor of London with a bit of economic credibility behind his big policy announcement was fantastic and we hope that it will serve to play the same role uh, both beyond this year and also beyond London uh, in, in years to come. I guess it's just a really good um, case study of how well conducted research can have an impact on policy, policy making. Yeah and I think I would also say you know it's a it's a fantastic piece of work in, in its own uh, in its own regard but it also really fits in the context of what everyone else is doing. So it really reflects all the work of our partner organizations. It builds on their evidence, it plays into their strengths. So it's been so successful, partly because it's a really good bit of robust bit of work on its own, but also because it speaks to the needs and the opportunities of everyone who's working on free school meals uh, throughout the country, I think. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, sadly, that is uh, all the time we have for this episode. It was extremely interesting to hear from the team. Thank you so much to our guests, Alia, Mark and Tan. It's been a pleasure to have you on today. If you'd like to read the report in more detail, you can find it on the Impact on Urban Health website. There will also be a link in the description of the podcast. And of course, if you like this podcast, make sure you subscribe on iTunes and Spotify to get notified of future episodes. Thank you all for listening and have a lovely day. Bye.